Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I am sitting here today with a dear friend and mentor, Jessica Leisha. Jessica is a visionary embodiment teacher, energy and spiritual leader, meditation guide, and paradigm shifter. With a remarkable 24-year journey dedicated to the practice of yoga, she brings a wealth of experience and wisdom to her teaching, and I know this firsthand. Having taught for 14 years and embraced a conscious way of living for over 15 years, Jessica's transformative approach has evolved to encompass the luminous energy body and its intricate pathways, propelling her students into an expanded realm of embodiment and consciousness. Mm. Welcome, Jessica, to the podcast. Mm, Thank you, Natalie. What a joy it is to be here with you. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're here. I know we've been trying to make this episode happen. I think this is, I think this is try number three. And so lucky number three, we're doing it. (laughs) Yes. It's been a a, a crazy time with family things going on. Um, So thank you for your flexibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I will always be open to us connecting anytime that we can, because we don't get to connect as often as we used to. We used to live in the same city of Lexington, Kentucky, and that's how I came to know you and get to know you. And do you care if I share with the listeners how I know you? Please. Yeah, of course. So, and this is interesting because I think about, you know, these flashbulb memories that we can have in our consciousness and our awareness. And you are one of them for me. And that is when I was living in Lexington, I was looking for a yoga studio that I really connected with. And I was trying various ones around the area and, you know, they were fine. They were fine. And, but I just wasn't feeling super connected with one yet. And so I kept looking and then I came across Solid Roots, which it was technically in Nicholasville, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right on the border. Mm -hmm. Right on the border. Yeah. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the Lexington, Nicholasville area, it's like right next to Lexington. And I remember coming to the studio, you were teaching the class, the very first one that I went to. And I remember I walked in. And the space was open and just full of light because it just had all those windows in the front. And you had incense burning. You had beautiful music playing. And I was like, okay, all right, this feels good. And you took us through a class. And I remember laying there in Shavasana at the end. And I I remember this moment. I remember laying there and I think like a tear like went down my face just with gratitude that I had found this studio and you, I just felt that in that moment of this is it. This is the space. This is the person. These are the people. And from that point on, I mean, I started going there for, years 
And then one day, I remember you looked at me after a class and you were like, I think it's time for you to do yoga teacher training. (laughs) And I was like, oh, but parts of me were wanting to do it. And parts of me had been thinking about it. And so you kind of just spoke for it out loud and kind of gave my system the permission to know that like, okay, yeah, this can happen. And so I did the yoga teacher training with you and Carly and Jenny. And that was a transformative moment in my life, both personally and professionally as a mental health therapist, because you have a way of, well, you have a passion. I would say truly a passion of, I I don't even know how to describe it in words. You're going to do a way better job with it as we go through this episode, but just weaving in this, like we were saying before we hit record, like this awakening, this embodiment, that it's not just about doing the poses, right? Like it's not about just doing the poses of yoga and knowing the poses and the names. It was you really inviting us as the students to get connected, to bring awareness to what was going on truly inside of us. It was the first time I had ever heard words like embodiment, the fascia, uh, the pain body. <laughs> you know, you were the first one to really bring up this stuff. And, you know, I had gone through my master's in clinical psychology and all of that. And to my recollection, I don't remember ever talking about any of those things. And yet they're extremely important to have that awareness and that understanding of what all this is. You also were the first person to bring up IFS to me, internal Mm. family systems therapy. (laughs) And do you remember this moment when you had moved to the other studio at this point? And then I had come to talk to you and like connect. And I was like all excited that I had found IFS. (laughs) And I remember you looked at me and you were like, are you, are you serious, Natalie? (laughs) You were like, I said this to you in yoga teacher training years ago. (laughs) And I was like, you did? (laughs) (laughs) I was celebrating. I was so happy for you that you came into union with it and you were exploring it more. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I look back at that and I'm like, well, clearly it was, you planted like a seed in my mind because it like, it went in and I think a seed was planted, but consciously I wasn't aware of it yet until then a couple years later. I came across it again through someone else and then it like stuck and then that seed started to grow and flourish. So you started the seed of IFS within me. So (laughs) thank you for that. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for for listening to what was in you already, that wisdom. Mm. And I think it was like, I could just get a sense that this was, would really resonate with you, you know, IFS and the teacher training program, like you were saying before, how I, kind of planted that seed, you know, um, like I could, I could get a sense, always get a sense that you were, you cared about truth, right. And, and about like experiencing deep connection with yourself for healing and facilitating those processes for others through your, you know, your therapy work. Mm. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And that I do feel like that's true. And I feel like that's where parts of me were kind of seeking more 
And I feel like you have always been a great, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You've always been a person in my life where, yeah, I feel like you do, you have great intuition and you can sense, I feel like energy within other people, but within me specifically, my experience and you then saying these things, right. And like offering these things. And I've also always appreciated like when I'm in your presence, but also now since we live so far away from each other, because you are, you're in San Francisco, California. Well, I'm in the South Bay of San Francisco. So I'm like 45 minutes from San Francisco in a little town called Campbell, right outside of San Jose. So I'm in the Silicon Valley um, right now. Yeah. And now I'm in like basically Cincinnati, Ohio, Northern Kentucky area. So we have a lot more distance between us now, sadly. (laughs) Uh, And when we're able to connect now over zoom, but also, especially like when we were able to connect in person, you just have this way of like, again, just you being like, Hey, so would you care if I invited, if I did this to you, like you would touch me, you know, in certain areas of the body and you would invite me to bring awareness to that and breathe with that. And, or invite me to move in a certain way or to make a sound and, And that was always just so refreshing to me and appreciated because I just really, I really, really appreciated that just invitation. And even Mm. as we meet over Zoom now to catch up and check in, you still invite those things, which I love. (laughs) So thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. Embodiment is so, yeah, it's such, it, it's probably the biggest value that I have in being a human is the potential to be embodied. And yeah, I want to support that as much as I can um, within myself and then within others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a beautiful process and way of connecting with one mm-hmm. another is when we can be connected first with ourselves. Absolutely. And I know we're going to talk more about that embodiment, what that is. Yeah. And first, would you care to share, how did you get to yoga? Because that wasn't your first career path, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, my earlier days of doing yoga, like the first decade was in my 20s when I was living in Colorado, Colorado Springs. So I lived there pretty much during my 20s. And so in 99, I took my first yoga class and I was pretty hooked because at the end and the Shavasana, I had this sense of peace within that I'd never experienced before in my life. And I grew up with a lot of anxiety and depression So I knew that it was something special. Um, So I continued with the practice here and there, and I would do home practice over the years as well. I was really for a lot of that time was practicing like, like eight years at a, at the gym, at my gym, 24 hour fitness, but you know, it was still really like helpful for my system. And then I discovered a studio, um, before moving and leaving Kentucky. So I practiced there for a year or so. And I learned more about proper alignment and things of that nature. And, you know, I would do it before work in the morning. So 
days that I didn't do yoga before work, like people knew they were like, did you not do yoga this morning? (laughs) So it was clearly creating change in my, in my being, you know, that people could even track. Cause I have like a, a real fiery nature and, um, yeah, just a lot of pain body, right. Had a big pain body, a massive pain body. So when I wasn't doing things for myself that promoted that connection and inner nourishment, we could say regulation, you know, on the terms, in terms of the, the nervous system, then it was, there was just, yeah, it was like a big pressurized vessel of energy that, yeah, was just, could explode at any minute. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, yoga, yoga, it sounds like was something that was helping your system feel regulated and balanced. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, a big reason at that time was because it was just, it was giving me space to just connect with myself and to be with right. My body. Um, because before yoga and I played soccer in high school, but I wasn't, I, I mean, I didn't do a lot of like things with my body, you know, So yeah, that was really um, healing and helpful for my system. And I moved to Kentucky and this was in 2008, back to Lexington where I was born and raised. And there were some different challenges. Like, so I left Kentucky to get away from the stress of the family system. And then, so I moved back to Kentucky and I'm like, I put put myself back in this even bigger pressurized environment. And um, I signed up for yoga teacher training because another thing was that I noticed that there weren't a lot of yoga studios. And I really wanted to share this beautiful practice with like loved ones, you know, people that were in that area that I grew up in and, and to just offer this as a resource Um, So I did teacher training and before teacher training, I was, I think six months before teacher training, I began, well, I eliminated meat out of my diet. Um, This was like the first, I would say, thing that put me on a spiritual path, the spiritual journey. You know, before I was just doing yoga, I was just giving a little regulation and it was helping with moods and things. But then at this point, it was like, I was focusing more on the heart, like the, mm. the spiritual intelligence, nourishing that within myself. And I noticed that my heart was really grippy. And I had a lot of resentment and a lot of pain, a lot of anger from um, my childhood, you know, just like my mother, she um struggled with mental health issues, mental illness, depression, and things of that nature. And it was really unstable and difficult. And cutting me out immediately created an energetic shift in my being, Mm. where I became so much more attuned of my behaviors, my actions, and how they impacted others. So that already started to soften me. And then shortly, i after that, I joined yoga teacher training and then, you know, just began to go deeper into what yoga was, the systems of yoga, 
And I guess it was a few years later, I opened Solid Roots Yoga, the studio that you were referring to. And yeah, and then um, I guess about a year or so, year and a half into Solid Roots, a year, I um, did a course online, Applied Psychology for Yogis. And this was with um, a psychotherapist who studied at Naropa, Livia, um, what's her name? Livia Shapiro. Well, she had gotten married and then divorced. But anyways, yeah, I think it's Livia Shapiro is the maiden name. Mm -hmm. And so I started to learn about how to track sensations in the body and how and and that's like the first step to embodiment right so like having awareness of what's happening within the body Mm -hmm. and I remember the first time she ever like led us through a practice of tracking sensations within I felt oh it was like that first experience of yoga I just felt so much peace Mm. and nourishment from having this inner awareness and it was like it was like my being had just been waiting for that you know and Mm. wanting that for so long so I was like pretty much hooked into that practice and I would regularly um always like just be tracking sensations and scanning the body and my lived experience. And mm-hmm. I got to know a lot about the pain body. Um, yeah. Can you share what is the pain body? What does that mean? Yeah. So th- this is a term that um, is I adopted from Eckhart Tolle in his work and um, his book, A New Earth, um, which I read years ago, probably, you know, probably around this time, 2013, 2014. And when I read it, I was just like, Oh, my gosh, it made so much sense. So yeah, the pain body is really like the buildup of these stressful or traumatic experiences that we've had that are mapped within our systems um, through ancestral experiences, or past life experiences that that are constantly interacting with the world through our energy system. And this is when we get triggered, right? It's our pain body that's getting activated and being brought to the surface, coming online. And then we see through this lens of the pain body from whatever it's like our nervous system goes back into that experience and thinks that that's where we are in that moment. Right. Um, So it's perceiving from, from that space of delusion, we could say, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that, yeah. Yeah, it is. And I was just like, as you were explaining that in the back of my mind, like parts of me were relating that to like how like an IFS, you know, it looks at legacy burdens, which is the, uh, you know, burden energy that we carry that's passed down through families. We also can have cultural burdens, ethnic burdens, you know, and like you said, even past life, you know, type burden energy and, and that that can be 
kind of stuck within our system. And like you said, it can get triggered in the present. And we might not have that understanding of why, right? Like we could just feel the activation, which can then lead to other parts of us getting activated, right? Like acting in other ways in order to try and prevent feeling the pain body. And, and again, of course, it can also be connected to stuff that we actually experienced, you know, in our direct lived experience as, as, as ourselves. So as you were just explaining that in the back of my mind, I was like, oh yeah, I get that. (laughs) That makes sense. And so then becoming aware, yeah, of the pain body and the pain that is maybe being held and connected to the past or that maybe has been passed down, bringing awareness to that you're saying is like the first step, right? Because otherwise we're just walking around in a pain body. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, recognizing it as the pain body. Um, So I guess in like 2010, I started diving into like Buddha psychology and I would, I started listening to Tara Brock, um, who is a Buddhist psychologist and um, Dharma teacher, meditation teacher. And I would listen to her um, Dharma talks regularly and they were always very nourishing. And so it, it, I started to already kind of learn about this practice of not identifying with things that we're experiencing, not identifying with our thoughts, meaning not to take them fully as real and not to believe them and not to let them inform who we are as people, right? Like just because I, I'm having this thought doesn't mean that I am that thought or that that thought thought really defines my truth. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I was able to kind of start tracking that. And I would notice that, oh, if I like had a grip, say it's somewhere like in my shoulder, I could track that, oh, tension. And I would just note it tension in my right shoulder. And then I would be like, oh, what am I believing? Like, what is the chitta which is like the heart, mind, consciousness. What is the chitta believing in this moment? And I was, I would see, oh, there's a judgment about this other person. And then just by naming it, it would dissolve. Like the tension would release. And then I would have that, well, I don't really believe that. You know, that's not like, say, my higher self belief. Right. Um, and I could just recognize it as the pain body. So that's kind of like how I practice mindfulness. Well, from the beginning of my mindful journey, I would mm-hmm. say, was through the body first and then through the mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and now as you're talking that through, I guess another thing that came to my mind just now was I'm wondering if like what Eckhart Tolle is calling like the pain body, maybe like an IFS we would call parts possibly, you know, that as you were noticing the pain in your right shoulder, let's say, if you paused and did the U-turn of awareness and turned towards within you that that pain in your shoulder, and if you turn towards it with maybe some curiosity, right, which is what we would call self-energy, and then just noticed or maybe asked a question of like, hmm, what is this connected to? And then, like you said, maybe what comes into your awareness is this uh, image or thought of passing judgment towards this other person and, and then recognizing like an IFS would be like, oh, so a part of me is judging that person 
a part of me is judging her or him or whoever it was. And that in itself is like inviting some, what we would also say, like unblendedness, right? Like you're not identifying as this part of you that's judging this other person. You're able to see it as a part that it's a part of you. It's not all of you, you know, you as a whole is not judging this person. It's a part of you. And can you bring awareness to that and maybe name it? And again, turn towards it with curiosity or compassion. And then even just doing that, right? Like that energy then can soften. It can just soften sometimes. And maybe then that, that pain in the shoulder just naturally subsides, but it takes the willingness to look at what we experience in our body in that way, right? Instead of being like, which this is so easy to do. It's like, you know, you're busy, you got stuff going on, you got responsibilities, your leg hurts or your shoulder hurts. And you're like, oh, this is so annoying. Let me ignore it. Or let me try and take some medicine, you know, some ibuprofen or something to try and and handle that. And again, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And it's this invitation to, okay, but yeah, what if we could also turn towards it and to just be with it and to notice what comes forward. And that can be really healing. Yeah. That's where healing happens is when we are with our experience, you know, it's when we're not with our experience that our pain body just keeps compounding and building and increasing in its power. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember learning how to welcome, welcome it. Oh yeah. I remember one time I just thought about this. I, I was working at EKU at the time and I was, you were still located at the Nicholasville location. It was still solid roots and I never get back pain ever. But this day at work, I, had this like excruciating lower back pain. And I think it was my lower right side. I mean, to the point where it was like, I couldn't sit. I just like, it was hard to breathe. Like the pain was so intense. And I remember I had a break in between clients and I had already been going to you and learning about embodiment and turning towards. And I remember I laid down on my office floor, closed my eyes, Close my eyes and like turn my awareness towards that pain and just breathed with it. And then a memory came forward from my childhood. And I was able, and I didn't know IFS at the time, but I was able to just be with the memory, kind of process it. I think I did some like inner, you know, talking to like that child part of me that was connected to that, inviting, you know, like compassion, validation, you know, safety. And it and i just started crying but it was like a release crying and the pain shifted it really did i mean it shifted it didn't like magically all of it go away at once but i could feel it start to soften and start to let go and then i went right after work to a yoga class and you were teaching it and i i told you before the class hey like i've had this like lower back pain today I don't remember if I told you, because I don't know how much time we had, but I don't remember if I shared with you like before class, like what I had connected it with. Uh, But I remember like moving through that class with that awareness of what it was connected to and kind of just being gentle with it and, you know, noticing parts of me that were maybe judging 
the pain and wanting it to just go away that we're maybe getting frustrated like oh I can't do this move as easily as I normally would and so let me just breathe with it and let me just make accommodations and just be with it but that one always stuck with me too and so I Mm. I'm grateful for again just your your training in and your passion and talking about this stuff with within like when you were teaching yoga, right? Like you would talk and share about these things in the midst of classes. I love that. <laughs> I soaked all of that in. I was like, oh yes, share your knowledge. So thank you for <laughs> mm. thank you for sharing and speaking for all of that in the midst of your yoga classes. Cause your classes are still unlike any other classes I've ever taken. Mm. They are. you bring it's the truth you know you bring something that's just so unique and I feel like needed in the yoga realm yeah so that's why you're one of my mentors (laughs) Mm, thank you yeah it's such an honor and yeah it's like you know there's a part of me that was really frustrated for a long time with yoga with the way that it's being taught the way I was teaching it, the way that I understood it as a practice, because I used to also get a lot of back pain and things like that. And um, it was like, here, I'm a yoga teacher and I can't even stand upright, Mm. you know, because say my psoas would be locked up and it would be really pulling me forward and a lot of pain in my back. Um, So things like that, you know, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I, I should be able to fix this. Yeah, things like uh, experiences like that really forced me to um, kind of expand the paradigm of what yoga is or about what the body is. And how can I look at the body differently than the way I've been taught about what the body is and find new ways to work with the system with the body? So that really, you know, supported me in evolving even more um, as a yoga teacher, not just from before what you're naming, like me having these higher understandings about the mind body connection and, you know, the energetics of the past and the way they get expressed in the present and ways that we can work with that with meeting experience, but also like the ways that we can open our energy body in a yoga practice to restructure it with in a way that there's more integrity for connectivity cellular connectivity energy flow energy discharge of cells and more sensitivity in coming online so that humans can actually awaken and feel more of their bodies through the practice because i've practiced yoga where it's like I'm doing the poses and it's like tension just keeps building and building and building. And then it's like, my legs get really heavy. They get pain in them. You know, that pain then starts to build up into my back and, and then I'm just in bad form, you know, or this like emotion comes and then, you know, I don't know how to like, like process it, how to be with it. And then it just goes back in the system and then comes back up another time. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm great, grateful for that part of me that was curious and wanted to be like this investigator and like to really um, understand things in a different way than the ways that we had been um, already looking at the body. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because like I said, you, you brought something and that was just so different and, and this element of embodiment that I feel like, yeah, is missing from a lot of yoga studios specifically. And so let's get into what is embodiment, because I'm sure some listeners are probably listening to us talking and being like, wait, what are they talking about? What What is embodiment? How would you describe or define it? Yeah, so embodiment is really multidimensional. And there are a lot of different ways I could talk about what that is. Um, but I'll start on like the most basic level of like, okay, so we've been talking about turning inwards, right? And and being able to like come into the body with your awareness and to be able to feel and sense what's happening in the body. Now, tension that lives in the body is really energy that is just stored in the body. And that tension and that energy oftentimes is kind of like offline. So our sensory receptors are offline because they're being suppressed by the tension. It's like, you know, not enabling the mitochondria within the cells to receive the oxygen that we're breathing in because the tissues, the connective tissues of the fascia are kind of frozen over. So all of those cells in there aren't really receiving oxygen, um, then the cell is kind of like deadened, right? I mean, it's not dead forever because of, you know, neuroplasticity, that intelligence is still there, but it's not being supported to express its potential of intelligence. So when you start to clear um, that tension out and clear the tissues and awaken the tissues, then you start to be able to sense and feel more, right? So embodiment is really having this awareness of a feeling and, and this uh, being able to sense and feel into the body and actually also being able to note in the mind where your awareness is and bringing those two into union. So like, say my mind is focusing on peace, right? I want to experience peace. Well, you have to kind of get your the cells in your body and the cells from your brain in coherent connection to resonate peace together. So it's a mapping of your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system supporting this firing between those systems. And that is being expressed then in the form of energy. So your your energetics start to move into that that form. Mm-hmm. So that's one way I could explain it. There's so many ways, and and maybe right. that's not a very clear way, but it's about seeing and feeling in union, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and really being able to like, I mean that we all have an energy body. Our mitochondria are part, they are like what fuel that energy body, right? Our energy body is 
there's many different layers. You've got the nervous system, you've got the chakra system, you've got the nadi system, the subtle energetics, the meridian system, your auric body, the, the electromagnetic field outside of the body. So there's a lot of different energy structures and it's really about getting kind of all of that in a coherent resonant state where things are fluid and they're all all aligned together. Now I will say that I wasn't always fully embodied. Like my embodiment has evolved over time, Mm. right? It started with just that simple awareness of what's, what's happening in, in the feeling state of the body, right? Like where's their openness? Where is their tensioning? When may sensations start to shift and change? You know, is pressure being built in my system when I say or think or hear this? Or is pressure releasing from my Mm -hmm. system? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would be, because in class, you would invite, like in a yoga class, you would invite us as participants, as students, to engage in certain types of movements and sometimes utilizing uh, tools like those ther- the therapy balls, the small blue ones or the purple ones. And, and so how, how is that connected to embodiment? If let's say you were inviting us to Cause I remember you'd be like, okay, like let's stand kind of like in mountain pose. Right. And just maybe standing on our mat and you'd invite us to like wiggle your toes and really feel yourself putting each toe on the mat and like flexing and flaring the toes, flexing and flaring the fingers. And, and so in doing that, how would you say that is embodiment? Yeah, so it's um ways to prime the energy system, to prime the tissues, to bring in movement into the fascia, into the tissues, so that um, cells can start to discharge any like stagnant energy that are suppressing, say, the mitochondria, which are the organisms that um, the you know ancient bacteria we can have up to two thousand of them within any cell, and they are actually sensing the environment. So, like I said, when tissues are kind of frozen, when there's um, inflammation in the body, things of this nature are going to suppress the mitochondria from receiving because they they convert oxygen into energy. So, if that oxygen, that breath, isn't if that fascial system's not able to really expand and contract with breath, then the mitochondria aren't going to really receive the, uh, the oxygen um, in order to then produce that into energy, which then gets your, your cells um, online to mm-hmm. actually be able to sense and feel. Right. So it's priming, it's working with the fascial system in order to clear that stagnant energy to awaken some integrity through the pathways. Um, Because you really, you know, you were taking my classes earlier on in my evolution of working through yoga practice with the fascial system. 
you know, because I think you did teacher training was at 2017, uh, t- 2017, 2018, I think right before we moved to radically rooted. Yeah. It was before. Yeah. Yeah. Was right before. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like evolved, um, a lot since then, but yeah. So the endpoints of the body are really key. The hands, the feet, the face, the head, the pelvic floor, and getting those endpoints open so that um, tension within the body can release out mm. um, and discharge, discharge. So we want to teach ourselves how to discharge when your cells start to discharge and come online in that way. And holding patterns start to be moved, tissue start to move in areas where they haven't moved then your sensitivity starts to come online. So you can actually sense and feel into the body more. You also start to get touch into enhanced vitality because you're, you know, you're getting more connection between your, from your brain to your body and body Mm -hmm. to the brain. So input is flowing and communicating more. Um, Inflammation is starting to move. You're supporting your lymphatic system as well, because actually, right. um, lymph is defined as fascia, fascia is like lymph and blood, they are defined as fascia. So when we're working with the fascia, we're working with the fluids of the body. Yes. Um, Can and, you talk about and, what is fascia? Because I feel like probably there's probably a number of people listening that are not familiar with that. Yeah, so fascia is the connective tissue underneath the skin that holds your body together and gives it form. So it is interwoven between every single body part and um, every organ, every endocrine gland, it connects the brain and the body together. It really everything is made of fascia. So like your bones are made of fascia. Another thing is that your bones actually float in fascia. So bones don't really touch, they kind of float in this matrix of the fascia. So when we're looking at really creating any change in health, um, physical health, mental health, we really want to look at the fascia, what's happening in the fascia? And what are the holding patterns? How can we release the restrictions and support, support that system? Because actually in the fascia, Fascia is a different, has its own communication network separate from the nervous system. Mm. Fascia communicates seven times faster than the nervous system. Oh, wow. So when we're working with awakening that communication network, which is what um, my yoga classes, that's what my yoga classes are all about is awakening the communication network of these tissues your whole being starts to reorganize and restructure in ways that are going to support more coherency and um, release of old energy. And there was one more thing that I wanted to add to that. Oh, there are these interoceptive pathways, which what we've been talking about, the pathways that um, sense and feel. And those pathways are referred to as homeostatic pathways of the body. So they are, um, this is where homeostasis takes place in these, in these pathways, in your, 
in your fascia. So the state of your fascia is going to help to regulate emotional processes, physical processes. Really, when the emotional processes get regulated, it's creating movement and flow in the physical Mm -hmm. being. Okay. And so in order to invite, I guess, because what can happen, and correct me if this is not right, is we can go through some side of some sort of stressor or trauma and then an area of our fascia can get like kind of tense and tightened up right because it's like protecting itself really it's kind of like a shield but then if we continue to hold on to that tension and that tightness it's basically causing like energy blocks like it's like blocking energy flow right because like you said, like our endpoints, like our feet, our pelvis, our hands, our face, our head, if there's areas of the fascia that are tensed up and tight, that energy can't flow. The fluid can't flow, which can lead to more disease of various kinds. And so I remember, you know, you'd be like, okay, let's like touch our arms. Let's use our fingers and our hands to actively like rub and massage, you know, areas of the arms, our hands, our legs. We'd use therapy balls to kind of help roll, you know, on the tissues, roll on our chest, roll on our backs. And would you say that was helping to invite a type of release of areas of tension within the fascia that would then help allow the fluid to flow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's different things that it's doing. And it's also awakening. Okay, so we know that, okay, trauma gets stored in the body, right? Mm -hmm. And you gave the perfect example, you experience something stressful, your body starts to tension, right? To protect. What's happening on the cellular level? Those cells are pulling in the information from that moment. And they're storing it within them. And when that happens, the fascia is constricting as well. So when we're talking before about healing, we need that energy, that information to discharge out. We do that by turning inward, by supporting those cells and discharging. Like animals, they experience stress. They're going to shake their body like crazy afterwards to regulate. What are they doing? They're discharging their cells because they're moving their fascia Mm -hmm. and your fascia, a strand of fascia runs into the nucleus of every single cell. What's in the nucleus of every single cell? Your DNA. Memories are stored in the DNA. Your mitochondria, the mitochondria is there in the nucleus of every cell. Mm -hmm. So, We need to, as humans, move our fascia, our tissues more to discharge all of the stress, right? The stress of the environment, of the planet that we live on, the stress of our lives, our relational um, lives and experiences that, you know, are constantly triggering our pain body. We need to move it to just discharge the pain body, release the pain body. And then, yeah, as we do that, we're releasing these blockages that are going to enable for more flow. When fluids flow, that's a discharge as well. So any movement in the tissues is going to support a discharge and a release and your cells are shifting into a different frequency. Mm -hmm. 
And that yeah. is going to shift the consciousness too. Mm-hmm. Because right. you're not perceiving from this place of pain or from this place of fear. You're perceiving more from what you would call the self energy, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And IFS. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I always remember you saying, like, move the tissues to heal the issues. <laughs> I always yeah. loved when you said that you're like, move the tissues to heal the yeah. issues. <laughs> and that always yeah. stuck with me because it's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta move. We gotta be fluid. You know, we gotta invite that, that flow from the tips of our toes, to the top of the head, and even the energy that just is all around us. Right. Like we're not just of this body, like our energy also extends out and all around. And so Another, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, Kundalini. And so how, what is Kundalini and how does it connect with what we've already been talking about? Yeah. So this is starting to get into more, we could say the woo-woo realm because we're talking about energy. Kundalini is an energy. It's like a sacred energy that lives within everyone, all of us. And it lives at the like at the root chakra area. So it is your spiritual energy. Really, we could say it is a consciousness, the Kundalini, a divine consciousness that is within all of us that really is intended to evolve the consciousness within our being. And so Kundalini works in a multidimensionally and through different timelines through we could say the dna and um, purifying the the body's energy pathways so that there can be more of that fluid movement in the body and through the brain Mm -hmm. because the frontal lobe is where we are where our higher consciousness resides right like that self energy it's going to be an activation in the frontal lobe of the brain and for us to get activation up here we need a lot of energy there needs to be our cells need to be able to be flexible and malleable and to discharge energy right like you know as an ifs therapist you can't always get people embodied in their self energy right because what are the, there are all these other conditions that are participating in that. And in, in, in clearing the body, these pathways is going to support and promote more of that self and coming online much quicker. So Kundalini is, you know, it's this high powered energy that is purifying the system, purifying the energy pathways so that you can get energy up into that on a lobe where we are only 20% activated as a species. So we have 80% to be activated. This is where our genius intelligence lives, where our gifts reside, our spiritual gifts, all of these things that we're starting to learn more and more about more and more people are starting to come online in their spiritual nature. Do you notice that in the world? I feel a shift, especially just given what we've been through over the past number of years. Yeah. What shifts do you see? I feel like there's more of a curiosity 
towards just the maybe things that we've labeled as woo woo, but just kind of this openness now towards like, who are we? What are we made of? And what type of, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I just, I sense this openness. I really do. I I sense kind of like this openness of, of consciousness. Like we've talked about kind of that word of awakening. I feel like we're in this kind of interesting realm right now of kind of these extremes happening. And I feel as though we're in the midst of this, this polarization. And eventually I do feel like we're shifting into, it's like there might be like this closing in right now in a lot of ways, but I also feel like there's going to be like this boom. Mm. This openness and awakening as well. So I don't know. I think curiosity is the word that comes to my mind that I'm noticing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. And it's like, yeah, people are talking more about energy because we're moving into this now Aquarian age, you know? So there's like, you know, yeah, you can talk more about energy and not scare someone or be judged you know, and also like all of the science that has been developing the last three decades, the neuroscience that where we've learned a lot about the nervous system, which is in part of the energy system, you know, has helped that. So humans are, yeah, we're evolving and the Kundalini energy is, is kind of like behind this intention of evolution. Mm. And it's a sacred um, consciousness. It's like, is something that awakens within the body and it moves through these energy pathways. But if you have blockages, it can get jammed up. Like when you were explaining your experience before with the back pain, Mm -hmm. and then you went and laid down and then there were the memories, you know, it's almost kind of had me thinking that that was your Kundalini that Mm. had that had released and like something triggered it right earlier on your day or the day before. And then it was like working to move into where that is is stored in the body and so that kundalini went it was like it it was working through where that blockage was Mm. so you did the beautiful work in laying down and tuning in and being with and welcoming that which then brought out that energy you had an image you had the memory arise and you went through the felt sense and you you kind of just held space for that worked with that you were supporting that kundalini and processing what it was intended to clear for you right so there's a difference though between like i guess the image that i'm getting right now as you're talking about this is because at first i was like so is kundalini also known as like self-energy but i feel like it's not it's like something different right it's like um i guess the way i'm kind of viewing it right now it's like kundalini is like this energy that can help with this connectedness that we have within and so but if there's blockages right like the kundalini is going to go to that and maybe would you say something gets amplified because right like my back pain it was like oh like it was really really bad and then i was able yeah to bring awareness to it breathe with it sit with it but then i was able to turn towards it with i would say my self energy which was again kind of that curiosity compassion validation just presence right as opposed to being like angry with it uh frustrated with it trying to make it go away 
And so I guess, would you be, do you see those things as two separate things? Kind of like Kundalini kind of, like you said, kind of being this helper energy within us that can help us. Like, did you say before, like, it's kind of like helping clean the passages, like kind of clean the, did you say that? Yeah. And that's like cleaning the path too. Cleaning it's the path. Purifying okay. the path. Or, or I would say the past as well. The path, like the pain body, right? Okay. It's like processing and clearing. We're talking a lot about discharging energy. Mm-hmm. But Kundalini is helping to kind of discharge these energies from the past that are stored within us. Okay. But um, then we'd have to turn towards that though. Like as the Kundalini maybe is doing its thing and then it's coming into our awareness, we have to connect with our self energy though, right? In order to then be able to be probably fully present with it in a way that it can actually discharge or maybe feel processed and released and unburdened. Yeah. So the Kundalini, yeah, definitely, you know, Kundalini can be really intense for people. And then for me, I've had a pretty easy, um, functional, more functional awakening because of my work with the fascia, right? But when you're you're not supporting the energy pathways and clearing and having that coherency and integrity, then the blockages can arise. And Kundalini can bring about body symptoms like autoimmune disease, um, chronic pain, you know, inflammation, anything like if that energy gets that gets stuck, right? Also, it can, if it's purifying something from the past where there's a lot of like, emotional energy or something, it can kind of put you in that emotional state. And you can have those residues that are kind of trying to process and discharge out of the system. So it's this, um, I see Kundalini as, as part of the higher self structure. So I would say that, you know, it is part of that self structure and it is conscious. It has its own consciousness. So like you can say hi to your Kundalini. You can connect consciously with the Kundalini when the Kundalini gets really intense and releasing a lot of energy that maybe gets stuck somewhere and then you get a body symptom, you can ask the Kundalini to calm and quiet and Mm. to be more gentle with you. I've worked with people that have um, intense pain or these, these issues from Kundalini and I hold space for them to go in and to commune with their community Kundalini in that way. And like their pain goes away. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I love that. I really like you sharing that just now. And I was just kind of like, I guess parts of me in the back of my mind were like, Oh, that's nice. You know, that this can be again, like something that we can turn towards and talk to and build a relationship with. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, like anything and another layer of embodiment is that your body, all parts of it is our, they're, all intelligent. Mm-hmm. They're all conscious. So you can have dialogue, you can share dialogue, you can connect with your bodily intelligence, you can ask certain parts of your body intelligence to activate to come online. You know, this is the potential. And and yeah, I would say that the more you clear, you work with the fascia and discharging yourselves, the more this intelligence is going to come online 
where you can have this more divine relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have like crazy embodied experiences. I mean, it's it's beautiful what the potential is for humans and and their consciousness and their ways of connection too with with their own um, bodily intelligence, which I see as the divine, you know, um, mm. the divine within us. Yeah. But yeah, and the Kundalini is like I've had these radical experiences where she's purifying she's it's a divine feminine energy and she's purifying ancestral traumas and that they get expressed through like intense physical pain I've had Mm. pain in my scapula I've had two massive purifications in my left scapula one of them was like someone was stabbing me with a knife Mm. and and like for two years, anytime I brought awareness into my scapula, or if I even talked about it, here comes the pain, like someone stabbing me. Mm-hmm. It, it took me two years to really learn how to open and allow to be with that. When I opened and allowed that intense pain and I wasn't identified, I had memory come to mind. Yeah. And that was related to my mom as a child. And it was like, kind of like her pain body was being processed yeah. and then it was, and it was gone. And then another one was um, like, I was being beaten with a rock. So it was like open wounded pain in my mm-hmm. left scapula. And this I've had for about a month and it um, one night woke me up the kundalini and this is before i knew what kundalini i knew i had a kundalini release in 2014 i had a kundalini awakening a kundalini release i was um i had just done a yin yoga practice and i was doing a meditation breathing up and down my spine and i was about to go teach a yin yoga class at the studio well when i was doing that breathing this energy released from the base of my spine and shot up my spine and out of my crown. Mm. And I, and I then felt really, really high. Like I was Mm. just elated with energy. And I was like, I'd heard heard about the Kundalini. I was like, I had a spiritual or I had a Kundalini awakening, a Kundalini release. You know, I was just like really high. And then it like, the next couple days I had like my consciousness had shifted where I was perceiving reality completely differently. And then it like, I ended up going through this really intense process because Kundalini can be very intense when it releases and um, for the nervous system, because the nervous system isn't used to having this high powered energy moving through and then it's like all of the things that it's dissolving, all of the the content that it it's releasing that also to the, the nervous system is kind of reading that. So it was like releasing a lot of stuff and it fried my nervous system. Mm. And so at that point I had been, you know, meditating in my body regularly and it, which would had for like a year and a half before this point. And it was bringing a lot of pleasure into my body. Um, so a lot of like non-sensual pleasure, right? 
So this pleasure was coming in my body, not through touch, but just from the inside out, Yeah. which looking back, I can see I already had some Kundalini working in my system, kind of like priming the pathways. Mm. And, and does that relate to what you shared with me the last time we connected, which is what's called pity? PT. PT. I can never say that right. <laughs> well, thank pity is not good. PT, right. And so, PT. So PT. PT. Sweet PT. Yeah. Sweet PT. PT is this. Yeah. Sweet PT. Uh, PT is, yeah, this like um, non sensual pleasure experience in the body. And PT is a, is a term, I guess it's Pali, which is like an ancient like language that the Buddha spoke. So it, 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 it's really taught in like Buddhist frameworks when working with jhana meditation. Yeah, I had a lot of PT. It can be experienced in different ways. It can be like a bubbly, pleasant feeling. It can be like, um, just like a warm, pleasant feeling. It can be, um, like like a, a buzzy little energy you know pleasant feeling it's like your body's awakening um what i was experiencing was a lot of sexual pleasure mm. energy like in my hands in my arms in my legs in my feet wherever i was bringing my awareness to yeah. it was awakening this and on top of my kundalini with that, I had to then stop meditating in my body because it got too intense because mm. my nervous system was kind of getting fried and okay. I didn't have a teacher. I didn't know how to work with that. I would talk to people about it, therapists and things. And like, no one knew. And I felt like just... It real. I had a lot of like trauma around this because I felt isolated. I felt different, mm. and I was having these like beautiful experiences too. I'm, you know, and I wanted everyone to like be engaging their awareness and their bodies. But yes, yeah, so I ended up going into like a really dark place, which you know you could call the dark night of the soul. I was really purifying a lot of like critic energy mm -hmm. um the kundalini was working um this was like during the the first ever teacher training that i facilitated with another teacher and you know i just had so much like doubt and self criticism like who am i to to you know train other yoga teachers and yeah this and that just all this delusion but it was just it was in the energy field right, right. so Sometimes you can know it's delusion, but if it's in the field, it can be so heavy and it can just really knock you out, you yeah. know? Um, that's why, you know, working with the body in these ways can be really helpful to clear that stuff because you're kind of, you're just being more um, proactive. You know, right. you know, rather than just waiting for it to, to dissipate or whatever. Yeah. Um, and turn into disease potentially, right? Like that it can, it can manifest into this disease. Well, and for me, it was mental disease. So I became, mm -hmm. I went into suicide ideation for a good three months, like really wanted to die and uh, kill myself and nothing. Yoga wasn't helping me. 
um, meditation wasn't helping me. All these things I was doing weren't helping me. Yeah. And because I wasn't, well, anyways, it doesn't matter. But then until I, I listened to a podcast with Bo Forbes, who is the clinical psychologist, and she said, anytime you move fluids in the body, you awaken the regulatory processes. So I immediately started like dragging on my skin. Like I was actually like literally laying on the floor naked, had showered, hadn't even had the energy to put my clothes on. And I was so depressed and I was laying there listening to this. And then I started like dragging on my skin, moving the fluids and it started to change my brain state. Right. And so I did that more and then I kept doing that and it, and it was like regulating me back Mm -hmm. to self energy. Yeah. And I think it took me about two months to kind of recover from all those months and all the trauma that I had experienced and kind of get my system more regulated. And um, then I immediately started like sharing that work with students. And, you know, you came in at the very beginning. Well, I guess it had been a a couple of years. Yeah. That I was starting to work with that in different ways, learning how to change the fascia in a yoga practice, you know? Right. Um, And so for people listening now, what would be some techniques that you would maybe recommend that people start to experiment with? Like you mentioned dragging. And when you say dragging, are you talking about like using your fingertips and like dragging your fingertips like across your body or down your body? Is that right? Yeah. So just, yeah, like landing in and kind of dragging, but that can be really kind of like tiresome for the the hands. I would actually start with just tuning into fingers and toes by holding, say you hold your big toe, you're going to hold the whole toe. And you're just going to connect to your breath. Maybe you move it side to side, forward and back. So you're bringing some movement into the pathways. Your big toe connects all the way deep in the midbrain into your pituitary pineal gland area. So, so, you know, you want to clear the stagnant energy and then going through each toe and like massaging your foot and just starting to connect with those endpoints. You know, I just, I connect with my toes a couple times a day, usually, and my fingers regularly, I'm ho- always holding a finger and just mm-hmm. kind of moving through them. And you'll find that that can bring a lot of ease through the system. Because when we go into our fight flight response, blood rushes to those endpoints, right mm-hmm. to prepare you to fight, or to prepare your feet to run. So attention goes, energy flows is another saying that you used to say a lot. Yeah, exactly. So by bringing attention and holding these points, these fingers and toes, you're enabling energy to flow where if you've been stuck in a stress response, or you've then gone into your free spawn response, then it's gonna help to move, move that energy out. So then communication can come back online through the system and you can start to get more embodied, right? um, reconnected to your feeling nature and sense of who you are of the self, right? Rather than these other parts. Right. So a 
an, an invitation to, for someone maybe to, yeah, just like sit with their feet to their toes and like have a gentle hold on their big toe and to just breathe every with toe. that. Every toe. Yeah, all yeah, the every toes, toe. One yeah. by one, one by one in that pinky toe. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, it, it's incredible what can shift and happen. Yeah. That. And the fingers, like, yeah, holding a gentle hold on each finger, dragging if they want to experiment with dragging, and then yeah, releasing the face, yeah, the head, scrubbing, scrubbing those areas, yes. and releasing the back of the neck. Because, I mean, yeah, if your head is not aligned over your spine and that tissue is frozen in the back of the neck up into the head, imagine your brain is frozen, right you're not accessing your potential. So yeah, the, the head scrubbing, the scalp scrubbing, I remember that one so well. And I love that one. And I remember in class, you'd be like, all right, let's scrub our heads. And you would, yeah, just encourage us to take our fingertips and just scrub, 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 like on our scalp and around the back. And just again, just like awakening these areas of our body that we're just not used to touching in that type of way but also like inviting that opportunity for, <laughs> for attention to go there, energy to flow there, fluid to flow there. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that always for stuck with me. Yeah. And that self-awareness, there's more and more studies coming out showing that the interoceptive pathways or the fascia, you know, and, and, and how self-awareness is attained through those interoceptive pathways. So mm -hmm touching the body in these ways and supporting it and coming online is going to support more awareness of self, which is going to enable you to have more control, right. And more sovereignty and more personal power in the yeah. way you direct your life. Absolutely. And then so with, I know there's so much. And then like with therapy balls before we end, I want to throw that one out there too, because, because of you, I, have a love for therapy balls and you can get them online, you know, through Amazon and whatnot. And they're those tune up balls. The ones that I'm thinking of specifically, they come typically like in a pack of two. And I loved when you would invite us to roll our feet, you know, standing on those therapy balls and rolling each of our, you know, each foot underneath and then just feeling like, so you would invite us to like roll the right foot and then you'd be like, all right, step off and just stand there. Maybe close your eyes and just notice if you feel any type of awakening, any sensations like on your right side, as opposed to your left. And it's amazing what you can notice and bring awareness to when you've rolled one side as opposed to the other and then rolling the other side. And then again, like using those therapy balls to like roll your chest, roll your back, you know, roll your seat muscles, roll it around your arms, roll your hands. You would yeah. encourage us to like roll our hands, have the ball roll down each finger, you know, and then when we'd roll our feet, you'd like, all right, now like put your toes on top of it and like squeeze the ball with your toes and then release and then squeeze it with your toes and release. And that, it was great. And I remember saying to you, uh, this was when it was still solid roots. And I remember saying to you like, man, like I've, I've always had this like intense pain in my left heel. And then that was around the time then where I guess I started taking more of your classes where 
again, you were inviting us to roll with the therapy balls. And once I started doing that, that pain went away. Mm -hmm. Whatever was stuck there, you know, inviting that, that rolling of the tissues and, and movement with the balls, like it went away. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like what can go away when you work in the level of the the tissues, the fascia that, you know, the issues are stored there, emotions and memories and all kinds of things. Um, Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful framework for healing for awakening and yeah, just evolving as a human, you know, Mm -hmm. um, into more of that self energy. I'm just so grateful for your curiosity in all of this and your passion in learning about everything embodiment, Kundalini, uh, PT. Do I say that right? <laughs> yeah, PT, which PT, PT is and- like, yeah, if you experience PT and you don't know what that is, you know, let reach out, let, you know, let me know and I can support you with that. Listeners. Yes. Yeah. Um, because it can be kind of like, yeah, like, really lonely. And, you know, when you start to have these like embodied experiences that other people don't have and don't know what they are. Um, and, and there's a lot of amazing things that you can do when you, when you have that PT awaken in you, you know, um, it can really, uh, I, I'm, as I reflect back, I can see how the PT, um, really nourished me on really deep levels. And then when I stopped that practice of being in my body in that way, that I was imbalanced. I had a lot of imbalance because mm. I was also a caregiver at that time. So I was like, I, I really hit compassion fatigue and I wasn't able to access that part compassion that I had been really nourishing for a while before yeah. then. So yeah. Well, thank you for extending that out to people listening that if they are experiencing, you know, PT that they can reach out to you and that you can be there as a, as a supportive person for them. Yeah. And so, you know, as we come to an end today, again, I just want to thank you so much for doing this and how can people find you? How can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So I have a website. It's called, it's uh, mappingawakening.com. And you can contact me. They can contact me there. Yeah, soon I'm going to be launching um, like an online um, energy healing studio that is going to offer yoga classes, fascia awakening yoga classes, fascia release and flow classes, meditation, dharma talks, um, really just offering a framework to work with um, deep healing journeys and spiritual awakening. Yeah. So that will be launching within the next month or two. Great. That's so exciting. So that's yeah. Mappingawakening.com. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can have an easy click to get in contact with you and to get ready to sign up and use all those amazing services that you'll be providing. Great. Thank you. Well, Jessica, again, I love you. You're a mentor to me and in the midst of me doing this podcast, I will be having you on multiple times if you're willing just to continue yeah. you sharing all of this amazing knowledge that you have and this passion for awakened consciousness. So thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate yeah. it. 
Thank you, Natalie, for your love and support of me over the years. And it's been a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for putting this amazing podcast out into the world for others. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for being a mentor to me and being a piece of the people in my life that have gotten me to where I am now and continue to help me grow. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.